Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Canadian Spirit. I know you guys have been waiting quite some time for this one, and I certainly apologize. Uh, Darcy's not with me again this week, and a little peek behind the curtain if we may. Uh, Darcy lives in British Columbia, I live in Alberta, and in order to record the show we have to make some travel plans and everything like that, so... And with both of us working weekends during this time, it's been a little bit difficult to get together and record a show. Now we're trying to work on some workarounds for that, including looking at softwares for doing remote recordings so that we can do this a little bit easier, but until then, you poor fuckers are stuck with me again this week. But never fear, there are new episodes of Canadian Spirit coming. We're not considering shutting the podcast down. In fact, quite the opposite. In fact, just this last week... We hit 500 listeners, and that is truly a humbling experience, knowing that Darcy and I's little hobby has reached across the globe in such a a short amount of time. And we really want to thank you guys, because it really means the world to us that you are enjoying this program and telling people about it. It really means a lot to us. So thank you from both Darcy and I. Now, one thing that Darcy and I have uh, received a couple of emails about is uh, starting up a Patreon. And uh, that's something that really, for the time being, we're not considering because it just, I don't know, it, it kind of feels like it's uh, its not the right time to do so. Given that so many people are out of work, it kind of seems disrespectful to ask for money when so many people are wondering when their next meal is going to come from. I mean, in the future, we're definitely going to start considering it. But for right now, we're going to keep the show and all of the bonus material and everything else that we're producing free for you guys to listen to. Now, I just want to give a couple of shout-outs before we get underway here. Uh, I want to say a special shout-out to our new listeners in Singapore, Mexico, Australia, France, and the UK. And I happen to believe that both Alex and Will from the What the Flip podcast had something to do with it. But mostly Alex, because Will is a Superman-hating shill. Uh, special thanks also goes out to Greg Baird from the Canadian History X podcast um, for shouting us out on the show and his uh, social media. You can follow him at uh, stitcher.com slash Canadian History X. That's X spelled E-H-X. And uh, yeah, just one more to go here. We're going to be uh, shouting out the Nothing to See Here podcast because they seem to love our stuff just as much as we love theirs. Uh, Nothing to See Here is a paranormal podcast in which their hosts Dan, Queso, and Sean visit and record live from supposedly haunted locations. You can find them in the uh, link that I'll be putting in the episode description. So without much further ado, let's go to Kelly's Campfire Tale. It's the summer of 1990, and for reasons completely unknown to anyone outside of Canada, it's vacation time. So after long, careful consideration, you've chosen to stay in a wonderful four-star luxury hotel in the heart of Montreal. Yes, we're here again. Complete with the largest columnless ballroom in the city. Weird fact, but okay. A number of bars and restaurants and a roofside pool. Why you'd want to utilize a roofside pool in the middle of November is beyond me, but so is the French language, so whatever. You check into the hotel, the massive expanse of the building itself is enough to take your breath away and leave you marveling at its chic and unique interior design. You check in and decide to take advantage of a few drinks, some fine dining, and the rooftop pool later that night. So imagine yourself in the roofside pool. Before you know it, your attention is being called skyward by a shrieking woman who is saying something about an object. You sigh, roll your eyes, and begin looking up into the hazy firmament, and what you see causes your mind to spin. 
In the sky is an oval-shaped object radiating beams or a he heliosphere of brilliance. You stare unbelievingly at the strange object as others start to gather round. There are terrified whispers of government cover-ups, extraterrestrial beings, and potential invasion. You don't know what to make of it all. Soon the rooftop is abuzz with first responders. Police, fire, and medical teams all stand gawking at the strange occurrence that's happening right before their eyes. Much like yourself, they do not know what to make of it, and some of them seem at a loss of what to do. You hear one police officer call on his radio for someone to get him a video camera while a man claiming to be a pilot is quietly remarking on how high the object is in the sky. That is, until the object seems to slowly fade from sight and disappears into obscurity. The thought of what happened that night, what that object was, and what could have possibly explained the phenomenon will stick in your mind for a very long time. It wasn't particularly frightening, but it was unexplainable. You can only hope that someday, answers will find their way to you. I know that was a pretty short campfire tale, but I literally had to pull that all together just from the details that I have from this case. But anyway, uh, we're going to get into chronology now. Canadian Spirit Chronology As mentioned in the campfire tale, we're back in Montreal, but we're not covering werewolves this time, folks. Instead, we're going to be looking at one of Canada's most famous UFO sightings. It's known by many names. The 1990 Montreal UFO. The Bonaventure Hotel UFO sighting. Okay, two names. It's known by two names. So let's start off by taking a look at the site where the sighting took place. The Bonaventure Hotel in Montreal, Quebec. Montreal's Hotel Bonaventure is located on the top two floors of the expansive 17-story Place Bonaventure, which was once the city's main conference center. The Hotel Bonaventure has long since been host to paranormal activity, including the famous UFO sighting that we're covering here today. This building itself was opened in 1967 for the World's Fair and Expo, which visited the city that year. It had been built on top of an old train yard and at its completion was the largest building in the world at 3.1 million square feet. It exceeded the size of the Empire State Building. Shortly after that opening, the Bonaventure began hosting exhibitions from around the world in Concordia Hall. One of its most interesting events for those fascinated by the paranormal like us was called the Montreal ESP Psychic Expo. The event, which ran for several years, promised, quote, an entertaining and enlightening weekend filled with mystics, psychics, astrologists, numerologists, clairvoyants, vendors, mediums, healers, and the like, end quote. People at the exhibitions were invited to listen to lectures in regards to the paranormal, get psychic readings, and learn how to use their own psychic powers to better fulfill their lives and better their futures. The slogan was even, step out of the ordinary into the extraordinary. That's a great quote, really. Anyway, so there's more than just a UFO to this hotel. That's what I'm getting at here. And, and maybe we should explore a couple of these other instances in a future episode. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I also want to make a note. If all those psychics gathered here, why didn't any of them see this coming? It's just food for thought. Save your emails because if you're really psychic, you know I'm just going to ignore them. So I'm going to jump straight in and start unpacking this one because, as usual, I've dug myself into a rabbit hole and uh, there's a lot to cover. So let's start with some of the eyewitness accounts. The first witness to the object was an American woman who was touristing in the area. Is touristing a word? 
I don't think it's a word. Anyway, she was swimming on the rooftop pool, which was heated, so I guess that solves the mystery as to why on earth you'd want to be swimming outside in November. The time was 7.15pm, roughly three hours after the sun had set that day. She described the object as oval in shape, yellowish in color. Unable to believe what she was seeing, the American woman notified the pool's lifeguard, because, you know, they can do a lot. Anyway, reports indicate that this woman was known as Mrs. LSP. I have no idea what that stands for because that's all the report gives me. Mrs. LSP, who was age 32 at the time, uh, then notified the hotel security manager and the first man with with an actual name in this report, Mr. Albert Sterling. Sterling arrived at the rooftop pool at 735 and witnessed the object, quote, hovering in the almost cloudless sky, situated over the southeast corner of the pool, end quote. He then did what any other security guard would do. He called the Montreal Urban Community Police, station number 35, for assistance. Now, Albert Sterling's first thought was that this was some fallen debris from a satellite, according to his own words. He then attempted to contact Dorval Airport to get an opinion on what the object could be, but did not receive an answer. During this time, Mrs. LSP, the lifeguard, was calling numerous news publications and urging as many guests as she could to come out and see the marvelous object. She managed to get a crowd of roughly 75 people on the rooftop to gawk at the UFO. And I just want to ask, did anybody drown in the pool during this time? Didn't she have a job to do? But I digress. At 8 p.m., the object had grown brighter and at this time three journalists had gotten involved likely from Mrs. LSP's phone calls to the media. On the scene was Mr. Marcel Larocque, aged 44, from La Presse Media, who started taking photos of the object with this 35mm camera. Larocque began his journalistic duty of documenting the strange occurrence. It was shortly thereafter, at 8.07, that Officer Francois Philippe, or sorry, Officer Francois Lippe, of the MUCP was dispatched to the Bonaventure and he must have driven like some kind of fucking maniac because he only arrived four minutes later. MUCP must stand for Motoring Unconcerned of Casual Pedestrians. So anyway, he spoke with uh, Sterling and saw the object for himself, noting that in his police report that he saw, quote, three yellowish lights from each of which a single beam of light emanated. The object itself was luminous and did not appear to move, end quote. The altitude of the object itself was also in question, some witnesses saying that it was between 12,000 to 6,000 feet in the air. However, it wasn't until 9.40 p.m. that a client of the Bonaventure Hotel in, as, and, and an Air Canada pilot, who calculated the object to be about eight to 10,000 feet above ground level, and between that pilot, Officer Larocque, and witnessing a small Cessna aircraft, which just happened to be in the air that night at about 6,000 feet above ground, They came up with an estimated size of the object, a stunning 1,500 or 500 yards across. It was at 9.50 p.m. that Officer Lippe called the MUCP Surveillance Department for a video camera to be brought to the scene. But by the time the camera arrived, it was already too late. The dense cloud cover had obscured the view of the object and it was no longer visible to the people on the rooftop of the Hotel Bonaventure. It was at this point that Officer Lippe turned the investigation of the mysterious craft over to Investigator Morin, who started further investigations with the Montreal RCMP. However, this would not be the only mysterious craft that was sighted that night. Now, other podcasts that have covered this particular story 
usually end their story here, but we at Canadian Spirit believe in giving you guys the whole story. Even if the events are completely unrelated, it stands to mention that the that the events that we're about to go over are still written about in the 25-page report that we will include in the episode description, which makes it canon, so suck it, STDWYTK! So buckle up, here we go, quoting from the report now. Quote, Mr. Pierre Coumartin, age 31, said that while he was driving home from his work between 10.30 and 11 p.m., he saw some very odd lights, a strange luminous object and in a boomerang shape low in the sky, at about the level of the clouds. Its light was very big and strong. He thought that it may have illuminated the interior of his car. Upon arriving near his home in the eastern section of Montreal, not far from the Long Point military base, he watched the object hover near the Hydro-Quebec, Long Point electrical power station which received 120,000 volts. When he got out of his car, he heard a purring sound and thought that the object could be a dirigible or for the layman, a blimp, with only the gondola visible below the cloud base. The total sighting lasted 10 to 15 minutes. A power failure was experienced on November 7, 1990 between 11.08 and 11.50 p.m. at the Long Point Military Base, a base that is fed by a 12,000-volt lead from the Hydro-Quebec at Long Point Power Station. It is the only one which broke down, end quote. Remember how I mentioned the Dorval International Airport was contacted earlier? Well, they played a part in the investigation that was to follow. The airport's radar system, a type ASR-5 to be exact, was operational that night. Now, the ASR-5 has a normal range of 7 miles between an altitude of 1,200 feet to 2,000 feet altitude, 40 miles between 2,000 feet and 17,000 feet, and 125 miles between 17,000 feet. In short, it's a pretty fucking powerful radar. According to the report, quote, if the object had been below an altitude of about 450 feet above ground level at the Bonaventure Hotel, it would have been hidden from radar, end quote. Which we already know this to be untrue given the estimate made by the Air Canada pilot. The report goes on to quote Mr. Alain Jacques, who said, there is no contact with an object of any size at any time that night. And if there was an object present, it must have been stealth. So what was this thing? We'll examine this case more in depth right after this. Do y'all have a dirty packer? I mean packer? Are your mud flaps as dirty as a long haul trucker's mind? Is your drive shaft as dry as a doggone bone? Then bring your unit on down to Sergeant Mickey's clean wean washing lube. Here at Sergeant Mickey's, we take pride in getting your unit cleaned and lubed up. Located next to the giant tire fire in Sangudo, Alberta. Canadian Spirit takes no responsibility for possible sexual harassment claims as a result from using one of our sponsors. Alright, I just want to get one thing out of the way here before we jump right in. I, I just have some problems with some of the eyewitness accounts here, especially from that of Mr. Sterling, because after doing extensive research on weather reports, especially like over, over that area of Montreal during the night in question, we uncovered that, in fact, the skies were not at all cloudless like he had said. In fact, around the time of the sighting itself until roughly about 10.30 p.m. that night, weather reports from numerous sources say the weather was either cloudy, if not completely overcast, which 
gives uh, which makes sense because the photographs that came out from the incident clearly show some kind of lighted object above some kind of cloud cover. So what was this thing? Or should I say rather things? Because I believe that we're dealing with two different objects here. The reason I say that is because the first object, uh, the one that was sighted over top of the hotel, was oval in shape, whereas the boomerang-shaped object seen later that night is completely different shape. They're different colors. They display different types of behaviors. They're really two different objects entirely. But we're going to be focusing a little bit first on uh, the sighting over top of the hotel. One of the theories that I've come up with is uh, the fact that it could have been ice crystals that were reflecting lights from from the Laplace de Observatory. Again, I apologize. I'm not a native sp French speaker. My kids speak it. I don't. So anyway, uh, the Place de Observatory is a long-standing building in downtown Montreal. Just Google any video that shows the Montreal skyline at night, and you can not possibly miss it. The place to observatory sports on top of it an impressive structure and a large rotating spotlight that has been sweeping across the night sky of the city for decades. It's possible that given the humidity of that night and the fact that the temperature was anywhere between 0 and minus uh, 2 degrees Celsius, that this spotlight may have gotten stuck in place. I've reached out to the staff of the place to observatory, but uh, they haven't gotten back to me in regards to, uh, you know, what may have happened that night. But anyway, um, what my theory is, is that the beam itself could have been stuck in one position and reflected off of low-lying ice crystals that are that were in the night sky, which could account for the sighting over top of the Bonaventure, but once again, not the one over Long Point. The next theory that I have is uh, it was a an aerial phenomenon that is known as light pillars. Now it's kind of similar to the theory that I just went over, except for light pillars are a kind of atmospheric phenomenon that, uh, in fact, Darcy and I have been called out on a couple of UFO investigations that turned out to be just that. They are basically they're ice crystals in the upper atmosphere that are reflecting lights that are basically coming from below. So given the size, the shape, and the color, it's not entirely unreasonable to assume that these are literally just the streetlights from the city of Montreal being reflected back down in an unusual pattern. I'm going to read a little bit more from the report here. Uh, this, I believe, comes from page 14. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of taken a little bit out of, out of context, but like I said, I'll be including this in the show notes, so you can read this for yourself. Um, goes, quote, Since the aerial object was seen within fog and cloud, the light-scattering properties of the water droplets laden air must be considered. It is well known that each microscopic droplet possesses its own light lobe that scatters light throughout the lobe shape, approximately as shown by the nine eggs seen on the left-hand part of figure 14. The close spacing of all the droplets integrates the individual reflected light rays in all directions defined by the individual lobes. However, we are only concerned with those rays that appear to the viewers on the rooftop of the Bonaventure Hotel. Note that the length of the ray aimed at the eyes from each micro droplet source is approximately the same. The visual result is, is that of that the brightness of the entire ray will appear to be relatively homogeneous in all rays expanding from S to T. 
Now, all of that is kind of jargon and stuff that you will get if you read the report itself. Like I said, it'll be in the show notes. I can't say that enough times, apparently. However, we come to the long point object again. This does not explain the behavior or the movement or the size of that craft either, so that one still remains something of a mystery. So it's possible that the first object seen over the hotel is not actually a legitimate UFO because it didn't exhibit the signs of intelligent control of any kind. It didn't move or exhibit any behaviors that would indicate that it was piloted in some way. So it's safe to say that this object is likely just an atmospheric phenomenon, giving the relative humidity, ice crystals, and a suitable light source, say, from the place to observatory. The second object, however, is still unknown. And But we have much less to go on with that sighting because there's only one eyewitness account, which is hardly enough info to go on. And let's face it, eyewitness accounts are not always the most reliable source. But given its shape, the sound that it made, and the possible involvement with a power outage that I mentioned earlier, it certainly makes for an interesting addition to the mystery that, uh, that was happening on the night in question. Now, it's unlikely that the two objects were the same thing, given their appearances, behaviors, and locations were entirely different. And with that, we're going to be wrapping up things this week. But before we do, I'd like to invite all of you listening to engage with me this week on the long-awaited return of... Ladies and gentlemen, the question of the week. Listeners... What would you rather experience, a UFO sighting or an alien abduction? I think for myself, I would probably go with an abduction because I'm just one of these sadomasochistic motherfuckers who will do anything in the pursuit of knowledge. I'll be putting up a poll on the on our Twitter, that's at spirit underscore Canadian, so you guys can answer this one and get involved with the show. That about wraps it up for episode 6 of Canadian Spirit. And I think that we've learned that today... Swimming on top of rooftop pools, even if they are heated, is a terrible idea. So until next time, you can get in contact with us here at Canadian Spirit by reaching us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash spiritgp. On our Twitter account at spirit underscore Canadian. Our email, spiritinstitutegp at gmail.com. And finally, you can leave us a voice message that we will share on a future episode at anchor.fm slash Canadian Spirit slash message. We want to hear your stories. In fact, we might even put a couple in a future episode. Uh, so, yeah, tune in next time for our analysis on Caddy, the BCC monster that isn't Ogopogo. Until then, I've been Kelly, and this has been Canadian Spirit. That's all for this episode. Special thanks to Torin for our music. Zach Black, that's me, for voice work. All of our sources we used for this episode. And you our listeners. For more information on the Supernatural Paranormal Investigations and Research Institute, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash spiritgp. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>